0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Danny and Dusty.
2: meringue tang is going to be a thing. You're not coining anything new.
0: With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the fan man Hera.
2: All those and monkey sounds in there are called good.
3: The old like Danny you. Meringue pie? Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. The fan. Good afternoon. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Danny Morang over there, Dusty Hara here, Jeff Frost is in the building over on the update side. How's everybody doing today? Here,
2: there, and everywhere.
3: Yes, he is. Like Jesus. <laughs> He's everywhere.
1: That's the first time I've ever been compared to Jesus, I can assure you of that. A sweet mustachio to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, if
3: you will. All right. So, so that may be a bridge too far, <clears throat> but not too far. It's just a, a little bridge too, I know. Not too far. All just, right. That's how this works. Alright. everybody good? Everybody good. We all good? Sure. All right. But how can we not like this weather, right? Well, it was a little windy, but this is perfect late fall weather.
2: Yeah, we kind of skipped past fall and now we're kind of coming
3: back to it. We yeah, good point. It, it was it just like got bitterly cold and was, was twenty eight like, degrees the other night. Felt like winter. Now it, it did feel like we have we have a little bit of fall going on. It's like crisp. You got a little crispness in the air. The wind is howling. We have a tree out in front of our house that it all it was just full of leaves, like four days ago. And that's all gone. They are all in my yard, yeah. and I want to just thank uh, old Jeff Rust up above for going in there and blowing all of those leaves out of my yard. They were just right in the middle of the street today. It was like oh, somebody, even, somebody even went in with a blower <laughs> and took like all of these leaves out and just put them right in the middle Said, of the street. Oh, your problem now. Is yeah. that my problem? No, we, absolutely so not. We have the
1: opposite issue at our house. We have nary a tree on our lot, but we get all of the neighbor's leaves.
3: <laughs>
1: all of Dusty's leaves are actually ending up on yeah. your yard. Yes. It's quite literally in your backyard.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that I, sucks.
2: I have one one suck. tree on my property. It's an apple tree in the backyard. Okay. And when we moved in last year, no apples fell. This year like 4000 apples have fallen. I don't really? I, I have no idea what what the hell happened. Um but I, my neighbors trees hang over the back of my house and they drop all of the pine cones, all of the pine yeah, needles and these little too. these little orange berries. I don't know what the hell they are.
3: Don't eat it. No, they're like
2: bright orange. Shouldn't eat it. They look like they actually look like little mini oranges.
3: There is a guy that came to my elementary school. I remember this vividly. Hmm. I was probably in first grade. But I remember being terrified of, like, <laughs> he, like, took us outdoors and was, like, showing us all these, like, little plants. Like, nope, don't eat that. That'll poison you. Oh, no, yeah, no. I just remember being like, oh, my God. Like, you can't eat anything. <laughs> so I've always been very wary of anything outdoors. <laughs> I, I It's one of those things where, like, when you meet somebody who's, like, an outdoorsman, a woodsman, and they point to something they're like, yeah, you can eat that. I'm always amazed by that. Like that is a such a unique skill set.
1: Not gonna do it. <laughs> no,
3: no, so no, I wouldn't think.
1: be prudent at this juncture. One yeah. of the things they, they they taught us in survival school: white, yellow,
2: and green berries. Those are the three. It's like it's like a, it's like an eighty or ninety percent chance that they're poisonous. Okay, that was like always stay away from those.
3: Sure, always. Yeah, I. You know what I've done? Mm. Stayed away from all of them. Stay if it's not like a cherry or a grape I or eat
1: stuff that I found in the supermarket.
3: <laughs> okay, <clears throat> Jeff Rust, not a survivalist. Not, not a survivalist. Listen, man,
1: if you are gonna if you if, if you want to be safe, you go with black or blueberries. Like, the, those, yeah, like if you are, uh, I guess, yeah. Fortunately, blackberries are not a problem to find here in in Oregon, which no. which is, it always
2: amazes me because Especially it's not indigenous. In oh yeah, no, I've got I've got it's a spot not. that it's, no, it's not indigenous. Blackberries are not indigenous to Oregon. Really? It is an invasive species.
3: Really? Yes. Where'd they come from?
2: I don't know. Some a-hole brought them
1: over here. Oh. Isn't it the state flower? I thought it I thought
3: blackberries? Yeah.
1: It's the state something. Uh, boy, that would state be... State pain in the ass.
3: What a twist that would yeah. be. Like, uh, hey, what's your state flower? Is it something beautiful? No, it's a, it's it just pokes you. And
1: Okay, I'm wrong. The state flower is the
3: Oregon grape. See? That tracks. See, that actually makes sense. Makes sense. Grapes are great and wine. Wine country. We love it here. Yeah, I have no... Widespread
2: invasive species in Western See, Oregon.
3: See, this, this is where they get you uh, in Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Mm-hmm. We were talking about this last week. Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I used to know all of the things. I used to, like, I, I could rat, rattle off all of those state flower, state bird. Uh, it's the Western Meadowlark, I believe, is the mm-hmm. state bird of Oregon. But i used to be able to know all of the state, whatevers it is I could I do not know anymore,
2: so this is a note wild More blackberries idea. which grow all over western Oregon can be found in any areas where the natural landscape has been changed by paths, roads, or other interventions, mm. so basically, I think it's saying it's brought here by somebody else, but the environment here is so conducive that right whatever whatever vehicle it hangs on to, yeah, it just. It grows, and then just takes over.
3: So like berry blackberry seed who spread his berries across the land. Very similar to Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. Appleseed. Yeah. I knew where you were going with they that. Were, I, my buddies. eyes were just busy
2: rolling in the back they, of my skull. They
3: were working hand in hand. <laughs> I would tell you the three different types
1: county. of blackberries grown in Oregon, but I'm afraid we would derail the show. <clears throat> uh, Himalayan blackberries, more one of them. Th-
3: more than we already are?
1: Yeah. yeah. Do okay. it. Do it. Uh, trailing, erect, and semi-erect. Oh. <laughs> Okay.
3: Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
2: does, is it, does it kind of go by age, I guess? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: couldn't right. get any further. <laughs> do, do they take a little black pill instead? Okay. okay. No? Hmm. Nothing? Yeah, no, we got you. We got pill? You. Black pill? We got pill? you. We got no. you. We got, no, no, it's all there. Huh. It's all there. It's okay. all there. Um, okay. Hi, uh, we're talking blackberries here. I had no idea they were invasive. I just thought they were just a pain in everybody's butt all all, all the time. They're hard to get rid of, man. And it is... We've been fighting that for 20 years at our house. Really? Yeah. You've been in your house for 20 years, huh?
1: Christmas will be 20 years, yeah. Huh.
3: Never thought of moving.
1: Oh, we thought about it. We just haven't. We need to. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of outgrowing our house. Our house basically has a muffin top.
3: We've just got too much stuff <laughs> packed in there. <laughs> well, how about you just get rid of some stuff?
1: Yeah. Oh, we've had some garage sales, and we donate clothes and toys, and yeah. I I think we just accrue a bunch of crap faster than we get rid of it.
3: I do believe this. I believe there is a Venn diagram where the overlap between non-survivalists like Jeff Rust and hoarder, there is a big, there is a big overlap there because just one circle. Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, because I think that like. The, the survivalists they're also minimalists you know like mm-hmm. they don't need a whole heck of a lot no but i think the non-survivalists tend to be more sentimental folk and and you'll be like no i i need that or like i have an attachment to that or something you'll 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 keep on you'll you'll keep hanging on to that i, I come used from to, a long
1: line of hoarders too i you used
2: do. to be a hoarder sides of the family I, I have i have divorced myself
3: yeah.
2: from it forced like cut off like no i don't need this anymore
3: yeah i man i'm somewhere in between i throw away things i probably should keep and Mm. keep a lot of things i shouldn't
2: yeah that's rex my wife was watching like the most terrifying episode of hoarders ever yeah it was again like a three-way relationship between co-workers yes exactly what you're thinking all right two of them lived together and their bedroom was a mattress on the floor and they would eat in bed and they whatever they were done eating, they'd just throw it next to them. I'm not kidding. The trash was like four feet high.
3: Okay, I have questions about the, the Well, they're being a who, hoarder
1: or just being gross.
3: That's just being gross. Um, but <laughs> I have I have questions about the the person that hired those three employees. Like they're coworkers? Like <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: I, I, you hired three
2: well, and then that like, have
3: that are that are that no, much no. in sync? No.
2: Two two of them lived together and like had a legal relationship. Okay. And, and, the, then, the and then there's is, an open relationship with a yeah. third one, but they all work together.
3: Yes, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. tracking everything you're saying here. I mean, this is where do they work? I I don't know, but I I, I don't want to know. Odyssey to Portland? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that I'm tracks. Gonna, I'm gonna go with a place that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, require you know
2: cleanliness. Good, yeah, good hygiene. Yeah, yeah, and like they they filled three of those 30 yard dumpsters.
3: Gee, that's a lot of crap. That is, you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be the my biggest hoarding problem that I have. What? It's some, it's my uh, cards from being a kid.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a bad thing to hoard.
3: We've got like a ton of boxes, and it takes up a lot of space. And my wife is like, "Are you gonna get rid of these? When we're gonna get rid of these?" It's like, just wait, okay? I've been slow playing this for twenty five years now. I will be okay. I guess it's more than 25, almost 30.
1: They're going to pay for your kid's college, like a week of it.
3: Gosh, it's over 30 years now I've been (laughs) slow playing this. Like, yeah, eventually, you know, all of those cards that were overproduced, guess what? There's a lot of guys out there that are throwing away their cards because wives like you. I'm not. I'm going to hang on to mine, and then this is going to be rare someday. There you
2: go. One of 27,000, but only three exist now. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> In your face, <laughs> told you. Yeah, I have a feeling those are never gonna be worth anything. But I'm holding on. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. And one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna make a make bank off of them.
2: I like it. I like it.
3: Twenty more years. I have one box. You do of cards. I have four, and they're. And it's not a very big.
2: It's like a like a sixteen by sixteen. Yeah, like it's not that big, but it's it's stuffed. Like yeah. it's like all like the plastic cases stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. There's probably probably fifteen hundred dollars worth of stuff in there. Yeah. Like, I cringe
3: I, I, to think of how much how, how much cards how how much money is sitting there in in card form in my garage. Like that
2: you spent on it or that it's worth
3: that I spent on it. Yeah, see, this it's is not I, worth anything. No, I'm saying
2: this is probably worth like fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. Like nothing. But like there's some good stuff in there. Like there's some they're they're like yep. in like mint, yeah, valuable like good ones. Yeah, like I got twenty bucks here, seventy bucks here, You know what I mean? Like nothing
3: crazy. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of the ones that I thought were going to be worth a lot, no, they're not. Like a Chipper Jones rookie card signed. Ooh. Oh nope. really? Yeah, not worth that much. Interesting. Be surprised. Yeah, that, that one I would have figured would been worth a couple bucks. Yep. Nope. Nope. Turns out nope nope, <clears throat> nope 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 nope. Ah damn. All right, we got a lot of uh sporting that we need to get to. Uh it's not just all Himalayan uh blackberries. Um boy, you know what? I'm I'm here to tell you, this is an informed listener base that we have because the Himalayan uh blackberry, as I'm looking at the 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 old Twitter bots, well, that was coming in right at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> that is the invasive species yes. here. The Oregon Blackberry, not that bad. Not that bad. Mm-hmm. Not as invasive. It knows its boundaries. The
2: Himalayan is the one that, that you see everywhere. It just takes over, like, oh, there's a little blackberry in the corner of my yard. And three weeks later, oh, um, my backyard
3: is blackberries. That's yep. that one. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. alright two five zero ten eighty. right. 503-250-1080. Be a part of the show. Uh, we got meat on the bone. We got a ton of NFL that we need to get to. Uh, college football playoff rankings. part Come out uh, this week. How far, how far do the Ducks fall? And uh, does the Pac-12 have a chance? We are going to learn about that coming up uh, today, probably around 6 o'clock. Um, and the – oh, we got a little uh, coaching search news. Actually, I've got a couple coaching search news on the coaching search news front uh, that we can dip into. But where we start, Mercury Morris can pop his champagne thanks to three yards and a cloud of dust. Danny Dusty on the fan.
0: One, two, three. 2, uh My baby, don't mess around Because she loves me so And this I know for show. Sure. Danny and Dusty on the fan but does she really want her, can't to see me
3: walk out the door All right, Mercury Morris can pop his stupid champagne 72 Dolphins are safe Pettiest thing in sports? Ooh Uh, I don't know if that yet... Yeah. Ooh. It's. I mean, if, it's, it's got to be man. up there. It's up there. Celebrating like the last team, like a really good team losing. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's up there, man. Boy, but then like we'll we'll wake up tomorrow, and something in Maxion will happen. And we'll be like, oh, that's actually more petty than Mercury Morris, even. Yeah, no,
2: but they do it every year. <laughs>
3: they do it every year, every single year. And I don't even know if I don't even know if they do it anymore. I mean, most of. Those, like Sheila's dead. Their coach is is gone. I mean, they're aging out. I think Mercury Morse is like seventy five years survivor. old. I had to check to see if he was even still alive. We're yeah. at that point now.
2: They used to run it on ESPN. Every they they'd bring him on.
3: They yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I am I am glad they don't bring him on anymore. He annoyed me to well, no
2: end. I mean, we're quite literally fifty years removed.
3: Yeah, that was yeah. And then that, uh, that is it. Now a fifty year streak. Boom, completed.
2: When the Patriots went past them, mm-hmm. did you think that that technically they should be because they were what twelve and zero?
3: Uh, yeah. There, well, <clears throat> yeah. I think it was sixteen and zero with the playoffs with the playoffs, yes. so it's a Super Bowl. But yeah, it was a twelve twelve team regular season. The Patriots eighteen in one year. No, you win the damn Super Bowl, man. That's the perfect season.
2: Even if, even if there was four more games.
3: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, man. You, you have to you have to finish that bad boy off. It's okay. just like it's just like the the Golden State Warriors. It don't mean a thing if you don't got the ring, right? Fair. Breaking the seventy uh, the 72-10 and 10 Bulls record. No, nope. Doesn't matter if you don't win a ring and put a ring on it. So, yeah, you got to finish that thing off. It, it did make me hate Mercury Morris, so though, that he sat there and was like, oh, see, we are the greatest. It's like, oh, shut up. You know, the the Patriots were pretty damn incredible that 18-1 year. Randy Moss, pretty good at football. Pretty good football. Decent. Decent. Um, Alright. Well, however... However! The Philadelphia Eagles lost their first game of the year last night. 32-21. Just
2: as everyone suspected, the Eagles lost to the Commanders at home.
3: Right. Yeah, at the link, and
2: Everybody saw that coming.
3: was one of the more bizarre games that, that you'll find because of just how the, the whole gameplay of it and how it all played out. I mean, the fact that we had not one, not two, but Four like just incredibly time-consuming drives where they seem to get longer and longer as the game went on by Washington. I don't know if I've ever seen a game play out the way that that one did, where the time of possession was forty minutes and twenty-four seconds to nineteen minutes and thirty-six seconds. Time of possession. They absolutely dominated that football game. Is a fourteen-play 14
2: drive that goes eight twenty-three good?
3: Yeah. In. That that was the what their, that was the first one of the third quarter right, yes. Um, so that was in the third quarter. In the first half, they had a thirteen play, seven minute and twenty one second drive, a twelve play, six minute and thirty second drive, a sixteen play, seven minute and four second drive, and everybody's looking around going, "Oh my goodness!" Like this is a clinic of how you beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Keep you them just off the field. Keep them off the field. Yeah, and, and they, were, they were
2: and they scored. That was the other part is that yeah they were somehow able to punch it in.
3: And they were barely even winning at halftime. That shows you how good that Philly team is. It's mm-hmm. like I was sitting there just thinking that this is not sustainable. They're not going to be. They won't sustain this. Philly's going to be okay. And that's when they had that 14 play, eight minute and 23 second drive to start the second half. Where now they didn't get six out of it. They got a field goal, and that's what kept this thing close. But you just sat there and you went, "By golly, they're going to do it. They they are going to win this game." And then in every conceivable way after that drive, the Philadelphia Eagles shot themselves in the foot. I mean they they absolutely just torched themselves. Back to back drives at the fumble, the 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 Quez Watkins fumble where he catches a post right in the middle of the field and he falls mm-hmm. down and nobody's around him and he popped back up. Like I don't blame the guy for for popping up and like he had to resituate the ball and it takes him a step or two, but the Commanders were just right there at the right time and just knocked that yo- ball yo- out. In all of those bounces that have been going Philly's way, they didn't. They didn't and they dominated turnovers so far this year. They they've been incredible mm-hmm. in in kind of pouncing on teams um and making them suffer. And this week, it was just the complete opposite. Washington did everything to them that they've been doing to teams so far this year. And look, that's the beauty of the NFL, is that the Washington Commanders have been this beacon of dysfunction. Like, I don't know how you can get much more dysfunctional than what the Commanders are, and yet that's the team that knocks down the only unbeaten. Here's a
2: fun stat for you. The Eagles ran 46 plays. 46 Plays. Plays commanders ran the ball 49 times <laughs> they had three more rushes than the eagles had plays
3: oh, and Then you throw
2: on the other 29 man. passing attempts by taylor heineke what's crazy is if i told you that heineke threw for a buck 78 no touchdowns at interception and the uh commanders ran for a buck 52 on three yards per carry yeah and but they had two rushing touchdowns you're like oh the eagles won what 35-14?
3: Yeah, they just couldn't get the ball. They just couldn't get the ball moving very well, yeah. and they got lucky a couple times. Yeah.
2: Instead of 32-21, you're going, what the hell happened?
3: Well, it's turnovers, and then I know that what's being made of this game is that that big play and at, at the end where Brandon Graham hits Heineke and costs the one last possession. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my in my heart of hearts, in my gut, I feel like if if they have to punt the ball away the commanders do i i think that washington goes down in scores because philly or yes, yeah sorry philly goes down in scores just the way that that, whole, that that quarter had been playing out it was like they were trying to play keep away and if they i think they go down and they score on that as the the game plays out like you don't really get a clear indication of how close that game was because the fumble for a touchdown went from 26 to to 32 to 21 mm-hmm. and it makes it look like it, the game really wasn't as close as it was. I think it was Brandon Graham. I think I thought it was clear as day. That's roughing the passer. Sure. Like you can't do that. No. You, I mean, he was down on the ground. He gave himself up and Brandon Graham took two steps. You get, you get one.
2: I and You get one. Yeah.
3: And then he just l- fell right into him. And I understand like. Playing football is so hard, and those bang bang plays. That one to me, it looked like he had plenty of time to, to pull, pull up. up. Yeah, and he, again,
2: you get one step. I think the refs are always, whether they want to say it or not, you're, you're going to get one step. That's just
3: yeah, the he, nature of the beast. He was clearly giving himself up before yeah. that. It just didn't seem like it was anywhere close to being called. And Philly fan is like erupting over it and saying, "You can't call it. why? Why can't you call that flag? Of course you can call that flag, like." Do we not like it because Philly didn't get a chance to to go down and score and win the mm-hmm. game? Yes, I I I don't like it for that reason, but I don't think that there is a an official in the world that doesn't throw that flag, yeah. you know, at any other point in the but, game. So why don't you not throw it then?
2: We were talking about the whole Herbert thing uh, uh, yesterday, and how that's that's a bang bang mm. play of like listen, for sure. that's stuff happens. Yes. Like you don't like to see it, but stuff happens. With Graham, you're like, eh, eh, that's not a stuff happen situation. That's a you, you got two full steps, no. and even then, if you, even if you got the two full steps, you just pull up. Yeah, you just. I, I know some people I will know say, I did "Not you, do you, it. you get quarterbacks who give themselves up sometimes, and then they, obviously they have the the in college football." What, what was it two years ago? The quarterback gave himself up, but then faked and kept going.
3: Right, the fake slide. Yeah, I, well, I, wasn't that Matt Corral?
2: I think that's who it was. Yeah but I I think that that's like that that's something that still lingers for defensive players like make sure they're down make sure you' you know yep that's what they're taught but here's the simple thing don't don't fumble the ball three times
3: yeah I can't. yeah I, that's
2: really it, it this game was you, you had these long drives but you also had five fumbles yeah just super weird right just it's definitely one of the uglier quasi-higher scoring games, but also at the same time, nobody had a great game. Nobody.
3: It's that time of the year, though, where, I mean, it wasn't weather-induced necessarily, but it's one of those, it's that time of the year where, guys, you, you, your body is wearing down. Sure. And you're just going, like, the weird, the fumbleitis the stuff happens. To happen. Yeah. Yeah. It, but as it, as it stands now, you go from it, it looking like Philly was in control of the NFC. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in a dominating form, they were 8-0. And, and never every, really threatened. And everybody's sitting there going, yeah, the Vikings are going to come back down to earth. The Vikings are going to come back down to earth. As it stands right now, Minnesota's sitting right there next to them. Minnesota is right next to Philly going, hey, we're 8-1-2, buddy. And there's going to be zero slip-up for either one of these teams down the stretch. And as crazy as that game kind of ended up and that game played out... The carnage across the NFL, we talk about this all the time in college football, but the carnage across the NFL has led us to a, a situation where this could be one of the most exciting finishes that we have had to a year in quite some time in the standings. We've
2: talked about how some parity to start the season, a bunch of teams three and two, three and three, four and three, and then we've started to see a little bit of separation over the last couple of weeks, the wheat from the shaft, so to speak. But beyond that, you've, you've got teams that are looking vulnerable. Yes. The Bills are looking vulnerable. Yeah. The Jets somehow are still right there. The Dolphins are still right there. It's There's so much that keeps popping up in the AFC, and you look at the NFC. Well, the Giants are still there. The Eagles are not immaculate.
3: Well, let's dive into it next. First is Rust with SportsCenter. Center. <laughs>
0: This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader,
3: 1080, the fan. Kenny Pickett. It wasn't Matt Corral. It was P- Kenny Pickett, fake slide. Hit him. Hit him with a truffle shuffle. Yeah, he did it twice. Twice, Kenny Pickett. Uh thank you to the tax line. 503-250-1080. You guys are awesome.
2: Why do uh why 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 is it the defenders bite. On the uh, the pump fake eight yards downfield? Mm, Every oh, single time?
3: Ooh, ooh. Just, it's a very in, good question. In green in the blood? As an offensive guy, <clears throat> uh, I've always thought it's because defenders are dumb.
2: Oh, fair.
3: Yeah. No, it's just... See ball, get ball? It, oh, ball! Ball. Yeah, Like, it, oh. you just go, trick! You fool me! Mm-hmm. Um, no, you just lose track of where you are on the field a lot of times. What I'm waiting for is the one defender, like, in their... There is going to be a time where the pump fake six yards down the field happens and that guy gets lit up and you go, oh, no, (laughs) that was a bad idea. And it's probably going to be a flag on the defense for a personal foul because he just hit the guy too hard because they're quarterbacks and they're always protected like that. Despite the fact it's like he should not have been pump faking eight yards down the field and he wouldn't have gotten lit up like that. Turns out. Turns turns out bad life choice.
2: One of these times, one of these linebackers is going to not bite for that pump fake, yeah. and those ribs are going to be exposed, and it and it's going to be St. Louis barbecue. <laughs> Just num-num-num-num-num-num-num-num-num.
3: All right. Um, we got to take inventory because out, coming out of that Monday Night Football game is that, you know, we don't have any unbeatens left. And, oh, and it's, I don't know, it's crazy to think that we're already 10 weeks into the season. Think about that. God,
2: where did this season go?
3: Yeah, I mean, football has just zoomed right past us.
2: It felt like it took forever to get here. Now that it's here, it's like, where did it go?
3: They go. Um, But we have just we have no unbeaten's, and I think we only have two one loss teams left in all of uh, the NFL. And I don't think anybody would have had it on their bingo card to have the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Minnesota Vikings as the only two one-loss teams in the NFL. Um, I can tell you
2: one person game. who would have the Eagles num-
3: on that list was Jeff Ross. Jeffrey Ross. I thought the Vikings were going to be much improved. Didn't think they'd be this good. But there's still a lot to be determined in looking at the at the carnage we talk about and kind of unpack after every week of college football because the the field is show uh, the field is so short to get into the playoff. There you go. Use your words. You only have four teams that we don't like there's a panic if you lose one game. And the crazy part about as you look at both the AFC and the NFC in two completely different ways, every loss from here on out is going to mean so much more amplified because of how tight these races are. In the AFC you look at it and Kansas City and Kansas City is the lone wolf on top at 7 and 2. After that, you go down the list and you have got five three lost teams. Think about that wiggle room there is in the AFC. You have 7 and 2 Kansas City, then you have 7 and 3 Miami, 6 and 3 Tennessee, 6 and 3 Baltimore, 6 and 3 New York, 6 and 3 Buffalo. And then sitting behind them, you have the Patriots, Chargers and Bengals which are all 5 and 4. They're 2 games out of first as bad as New England is, they're only 2 games out of first place as banged up as the Chargers are. They're 2 games out of first place in the AFC right now.
2: So what's interesting is, and it doesn't tell the entire story, because you are who your win-loss record says you are, Mm. right? If you sort each division by point differential, or each conference by point differential, it tells a pretty interesting story. As you
3: get get further along the season.
2: Yep. Uh, So in the AFC, going from top to bottom, Bills 1, Chiefs 2, Bengals 3, Ravens 4, Patriots 5, Jet 6, Dolphins 7. Mm. And then the Jaguars, Jaguars. eight, tied with the Dolphins at plus 11.
3: Wait, the Jags have a positive point differential? At 3 and 7. So they just lose tight games and blow teams out when they win? Mm-hmm. Pretty wow. crazy, Oh, right? yeah. They're th- goodness. Their three wins, 24 nothing over Indy, uh-huh. 38-10 over the Chargers, uh-huh. and then 27-20 over uh, the Raiders. And then they're in games. Wow. Huh.
2: Interesting, right? Yeah. And this is, again, kind of the coin toss situations. But the reason I brought this up is because you look at the Titans at 6-3, they're a negative 2. The Broncos, who have no offense, are a negative 18. The Browns, who haven't had their quarterback, are a minus 21. And the Raiders, who have lost one score games like crazy, are a minus 23. So the AFC might actually be closer down the stretch than we even think it is.
3: Yeah, because if you look at the truly bad teams, Houston is... Truly bad Pittsburgh minus fifty
2: eight. Pittsburgh's, uh, I think they're the worst in the NFL at minus sixty seven.
3: They're they're an yes, absolute they dumpster fire there. And I mean, look the 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 Raiders are are really bad too. And I think it's we're careening down the path of they start getting blown out of games where yeah, the were, locker
2: room coming apart is going to be the,
3: the yeah, problem and there. you you start losing by hefty scores there. Mm-hmm.
2: They did have the one in, in against the uh, Saints, which if you take that one out, uh, was what twenty four. 24, yeah, 24 nothing, nothing. They actually are a plus-one. Really? Yeah, because they're a minus-23. Jeez. That's, that's literally the difference in their season right now is their point differential is
3: that game. And that's the beauty of—that's the entire beauty of the NFL, though, is that even— Stuff like, can just happen. And now that they have expanded playoff, you're going to have this kind of fight to get in mm-hmm. is going to be amplified a little bit more. Uh, coming down the stretch with how close everybody is and jockeying for position, and everybody is in that two to four loss range in the AFC. The NFC is a completely <laughs> different story.
2: It's the same thing with the point differential too. It's a disaster.
3: I mean, it's a, I mean, it's wild to see because you have your two one loss teams in Minnesota and Philly, mm-hmm. and then you have New York, which is a two loss team. Everybody else is like. Four to six losses, right around, hovering around 500 and trying to figure themselves out. Believe it or not, it, if you look at it right now, that Commanders team at five and five, mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers, which mm-hmm. we've been mocking and making fun of, are oh, right there. They're all in that hunt. They are in the hunt to be in the playoffs because we're at five and four. The 49ers are currently the seventh seed. That is. This is the the NFC, it may not have the top tier and the AFC is head and shoulders. Yes. You just watch it and you go, that is better than what you see in the AFC. Or in the NFC. That back end though is gonna be scary because if San Francisco figures it out, mm-hmm. they have a talented roster. If Aaron Rodgers and the Packers figure it out and they get hot that is a scary roster. One team that is now leading the division at five hundred, at five and five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is anybody going to rule Tom Brady out if they start getting healthy and they're starting to turn it around with a couple of wins in a row and a dominating win? Albeit in, I I take the Germany game with a grain of salt. It's
2: Germany, it's of the world,
3: and that game is so early to kick off. We talk about how ten a.m. kicks are hard on the body for West Coast teams, but because of how early that kick was. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. But they they dominated the the Seahawks mm-hmm. in, in Munich. Uh, okay. Tampa Tampa's Tampa could make a charge, sure. man. And
2: again, kind of keeping up with the theme of the AFC, the point differential. Eagles are number one. Huh? Cowboys number two. Yeah. Vikings three. 49ers fourth. Seahawks, that is
3: an interesting one. That they, team is going to be scary when they get Their healthy. point
2: differential is right there. If you were going to compare them to the AFC, they're basically the same as the, as the Ravens. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, then the Seahawks at six, Giants at seven, and the Bucks at eight, and it stops there as a positive point differential. The Bucks are a plus three. After that, it drops to a negative eighteen for the Falcons, a minus twenty-two for the Commanders. He's got bad teams. It just it, it just falls off a cliff, and then you re- reach the the Bears minus thirty, Packers minus thirty-one, Panthers minus thirty-nine.
3: But isn't that kind yeah. of what basically what you're outlining is that? The NFC picture seems far more clear yes. as to who are you are not going to have anybody jumping up your playoff teams moving forward. And the crazy part is that it looks like it's going to be three teams from the NFC East right now mm-hmm. because it is Philly, Dallas, Dallas and New York, New York, then Minnesota from the north, Tampa. Uh, from the South, and then Seattle and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Those are the teams playing good football right now, and those are the only teams playing good football. The, the
2: Seattle-San Francisco one's going to be very interesting because it's going to be the difference between a first uh, a division winner and a wild card.
3: Yeah, That's the, you know, how does that shake out? Hosting going on the road. Yep. If you're Seattle, you want to be at home, man. You think? Need to be at home. Yeah, and
2: what's really interesting is, are you, are you a team that starts to position yourself for one of those NFC East teams? Do you kind of hope that
3: <laughs> you catch one? You catch one because, listen,
2: the Eagles are, are are still, in my opinion, head and shoulders above everybody else.
3: I don't think that there is – there is not a single team in the NFC where you sit there and you're like, yeah, that's, I, I don't want to catch them in the playoffs. Because if you're the, in the playoffs – The Eagles is the one for me.
2: Really? Yeah. I Listen, if you can find a way to control a ball for 40 minutes and induce three fumbles, but sure. But their,
3: their turnovers have been – if you take care of the football – and Washington fumbled on uh, Twice. opening drive, right? Yeah um if you if you take care of the football you're going to give yourself a chance you're going to give yourself a chance and that's the thing is that Philly beat Philly last night Philly is is the best team right now in the NFC i i'm with you on that but i'm more afraid of Kansas City Buffalo and Miami in the AFC than than i am of of anybody in the NFC right now 503 250 1080. That is a fan text line. We've got a ton of NFL that we need to get to. We have meat on the bone. Uh, we got a bunch of games that we need to dive into in storylines we didn't get to on yesterday's show because we were so into the college football world. Uh, coming up next, so Dan Lanning isn't the coach the Ducks might be having to replace. Danny and Dusty on the fan. All right, much was made last week about the overtures from Auburn towards Oregon head football coach Dan Lanning. turns out uh, that's not the coach Duck fans need to be worried about. It is uh, now turned to Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, 32-year-old Kenny Dillingham. Uh,
2: I mean, let's be honest, this this tracks.
3: Yeah, uh, Devil's Digest uh, reported yesterday that uh, they've got swasses that are saying that um, Arizona State's targeting old Kenny Dillingham to, I guess, young Kenny Dillingham to be the next head coach there. And it, it, you're right, it does track. I mean, Kenny Dillingham... Is from there. He went to Chaparral High School mm-hmm. in Scottsdale. He was a hit if you don't know Kenny Dillingham's story his story is crazy. It's nuts. He was a a high school football player and he was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um and he had a knee injury that took away his senior year, mm-hmm. couldn't play his senior year, so he joined the coaching staff at his high school.
2: Which is super cool. Like to have yeah. a coaching staff that was uh, like kind of allowed this to happen is kind of cool.
3: Well, it tells you about his his mentality mind yeah. and his prowess um as is a football mind. But then he was going to Arizona state. And while he was at Arizona state, he was still coaching at chaparral and they won three consecutive state titles. Hmm. And Todd Graham was the coach there and was like, who, what is this Chaparral? Like they they've got something going on. They're turning guys out too. And there's people like, Oh yeah, (laughs) their offense coordinator goes to school here. (laughs) He's what? (laughs) And so they they brought him in after years of a few years of being at Chaparral. I think he was at Chaparral coaching. for six, six years? years. Yeah, and then they brought him on staff and, and at Arizona State as a graduate assistant, and he that's where his coaching career started. And his connection with uh, Todd Graham it brought him together with Dan Lanning, and those two guys they kind of paired up in, in Mike Norvell at Memphis. Uh Dillingham followed Norvell to Memphis and then to Florida State. And that is kind of how his his coaching chops started was he got hurt in high school and became a coach. And mm-hmm. he's been on this track since he was literally in high school mm-hmm. when his high school coach saw something in him and was like, We gotta put this kid on we gotta we gotta use this kid's mind. He sees something. And then kind of helped him mold and develop it mm-hmm. into what he is now, which is He's kind of always been the one wunderkind. You mm-hmm. know, he's the youngest offensive coordinator in the FBS when he mm-hmm. was at Auburn. And Which now, was a
2: top 20 offense in the country. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. Bo Nix's freshman year uh-huh. back in 2019. And now he is um, the offensive coordinator of Oregon at 32 years old. Really young, still super bright. This would be a, you want to talk about a meteoric rise. This is full
2: circle, though, too. It's coming back to Arizona State. Yeah, where it all started. We always talk about, you know, coaches that, that are looking for particular jobs. Yep. I think the, the first seed you can always plant is where's home. Yes. Because, guys, listen.
3: Well, Oregon fans know that all too well. Yeah,
2: and, and again, does it make sense for a program that is just churned through coaches, has no culture? A 32-year-old coach makes a lot of sense, man. That makes a lot of sense to start fresh, to start anew. The one thing here is, and this is the question you have to ask of any coach that gets considered for this who hasn't, been a head coach the same mm-hmm. same was true with lanning he was what 35 when he took the job at oregon
3: uh yeah
2: he turned i think he turned 36 before he yeah. you know before he I don't
3: know got there but either way he's like
2: he's what 36 now right
3: yeah almost 37 okay
2: yeah. so you're talking about a guy who's four five years younger if he got this gig but he doesn't have the head coaching experience the the culture stuff we talked yeah. to dickard about this as far as changing stuff out at, at washington state being the guy that comes in and kind of has to set the culture. Now, he had he was already there, so there's a little bit of it, but you can see it change, and those opportunities... Look at uh, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. He had to go through stuff to get to where he is to learn how to build a culture.
3: Yeah, this is good. This is a really fascinating kind of test because of, I mean, heading into this year, the biggest concern was, what is Kenny Dillingham going to be as a play caller? Because, you know, Mike Norvell... He ran the offense at Florida State, Mm -hmm. and Gus Malzahn ran the offense at at Auburn. Even if it
2: was designed by,
3: and even if there were stretches where Dillingham called plays, Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't have the tag. He the the guy that whose offense it truly was was Malzahn and was Mike Norvell. This was the first year of it truly. This is Kenny Dillingham's offense. It's damn good, by the way. It's it's
2: some of the listen. (laughs) It is some of the most impressive stuff. It started against Georgia.
3: He's wicked smart, man.
2: I I sat there, and I think it was like halfway through the second quarter, even though Oregon was in trouble. I'm sitting there watching what Oregon's calling and going, "Listen, man, there is some stuff here. Like they are setting it up, whether or not they're turning it into something, whether it's turnovers or not, getting, you know, converting third downs. The opportunities were there from the jump, and yeah. it is it is snowballed since then.
3: Yeah, this offense is really stinking good. They they are really really good and. You know, but it's also really easy to have a very good offense when you have one of the best offensive lines in the entire country. That does
2: dictate a lot because they're not only good in pass pro, they're good run blocking too. Yeah. like That's the thing is that most offensive lines lean one way or the other. This Oregon offensive line will pummel you but also keep the quarterback clean.
3: It is also really easy to be a prolific play caller when that's the only thing that's on your table.
2: Where you don't have to manage the other stuff.
3: The, the game, the yep. clock, any of those, any of those sorts of things. Recruiting, and so it will be. You know, we hear this from from Dan Lanning. You hear it from coaches all the time. Is sometimes grass isn't always greener on the other side. Listen, and, and look. This is just a report. It's yeah. not like Arizona State has offered him the job, even because one of the things that that could fall apart is the, how does this interview go? You can mm-hmm. be a great offensive mind, but can you be the leader of a program? That's for Arizona State to decide. And if Arizona State decides anything, I'm not going to sit there and say it was a good idea because Arizona State has fallen on its face several times. Yes. With several coaches who've been successful other places and walk in and are unsuccessful there.
2: I look at this and I go, if Kenny Dillingham decides to take the gig, wouldn't surprise me. No, wish, not one bit. Wish him the best of luck. Yep. If he didn't, also wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Because this is like uh, Auburn. Listen, Cadillac Williams makes a ton of sense at Auburn because he's, he's, he's a blue blood. Yeah. It's, it's his school. Yeah. Right, he he knows it. He loves it, and it's the same thing here for Kenny Dillingham. ASU is an S show, like it's it's a complete disaster piece. But if you get the right guy in at places, look in the same state,
3: and he wants to be there. Look at Fish at Arizona. Yeah.
2: That place was a disaster a year ago. Are they great right now? No, but they are are they showing the same signs that we kind of saw at Oregon State? Sure, building up towards something that matters. Yeah. Yes, and if you're going to get a guy in there who's smart, who's motivated, who's... And again, you have to wonder how he does on the recruiting circuit and, and the game management stuff, all that kind of thing. But if you genuinely believe in him, and you're willing to give him the full four years, and he turns out he's that guy, yeah, I understand going that direction. Because they tried the old way, they they, they went out and got Herb, and they bought, got a bunch of NFL guys.
3: Mm-hmm. That
2: didn't work for them. So, flipping back... Like, does this shock you, that they're going completely the opposite way? No. Because this is what happens. This is the overreaction.
3: No. But
2: does it mean it's necessarily wrong? I don't think so.
3: No. 503-250-1080. That is the fan text line. Uh, so that's just a story to keep your eye on. You know, he's going to be a hot name.
2: Listen, when you have good coaches, they leave. You know how Dan Lanning got here? Mm. He was a good coach at Georgia. He
3: was a young, good coach. Yeah. <laughs> By golly. Ta-da! What a concept. What a concept. All right, uh, we start hour number two. We got a ton of meat on the bone left from the NFL weekend. A lot of NFL leftovers. Meat on the bone next on the fan. We really
0: need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line
1: per month with eligible trade in when you switch.